do you believe you, 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 what, you, you, do you believe that what you what you've done is right? Do you believe it in your I, heart? Uh, in the uh, hardest, yes. I gave the, the women. Part I gave. I gave the women the choice to make a to make the choice, whether to choose to have an abortion or whether to have the child. Mm -hmm. Okay, whether it's the right choice or the wrong choice. Have you asked know. for forgiveness for for killing children? Have you asked for forgiveness no, for killing I for I a sin? You you don't. No. Your, your, your conception and my conception when life begins is different. You know that in the womb and in the mother's body that it's a baby. No, it's a fetus. So what you've just heard is a snippet from a candid interview with one of the most prolific abortionists in American history, Dr. Ulrich George Klopfer. And it's the opening scene from our new feature film, Inwood Drive. So... Just how did we find ourselves sitting in this man's abortion clinic and having this conversation with him? Stay tuned because we're going to take you along on our journey. Hi, I'm Amber. And I'm Mark. And welcome to our premiere episode of the Fearless Podcast with Mark and Amber. So we are a husband and wife filmmaking team. And together we run a nonprofit faith-based film production company called Fearless Features. And this is our journey. So when you think of missionaries and you think of ministry, what's the first thing you think of? You know, what's the image that you have in mind? You know, for me, it was church and someone who travels across seas to a third world country to share the gospel and the hope in Christ. And usually... You know, we don't see those people, and but they're commissioned by your church. And the only form of communication is their periodic newsletter. Honestly, I thought it was only those people who were supposed to be the quote unquote missionaries doing ministry. I mean, because if you look up in the dictionary, it says a missionary is a person sent on a religious mission, especially one sent to promote Christianity in a foreign country. Friends. I am here to tell you we don't need to travel beyond our country to be considered missionaries, although that's what some people are called to do. With today's technology, we are able to penetrate borders like never before, and our missionary journey looks a lot different than those taking journeys even 10 years ago. So before we get started into our online ministry called Fearless Features, let's do a quick rundown for those of you who may not be familiar with our work. I'm going to invite my husband and business partner, Mark, to fill you guys in on who we are. And I'll probably interject along the way. That's fine. <laughs> the other half of husband and wife team. <laughs> That's right. So if you haven't uh, figured it out already, we're a little um, unconventional. Absolutely. In how we Roll. relate to each other. And, <laughs> yeah. So how did we get to Fearless Features? Well, so be long before Amber and I met, um, I've been doing production work since I was in my teens and I actually grew up learning the production world through live television at church. And so I grew up going to the church that was founded by David Jeremiah. And one mm -hmm. of the things that he founded along with the church was a program, a television program, and they would broadcast the church services every week. It was called the Bible hour still is. And that's where I learned. I learned filmmaking through live television and uh and learn that through the church so my my whole worldview of filmmaking really began as an outcropping of 
what the church was supposed to be doing. That's what we did every week. And so I learned all the skills that you have to have to be good at filmmaking. I learned how to operate a camera and then how to, uh, to do editing and lighting and sound and mm -hmm. all that good stuff. So you fast forward and um, when Amber and I met, uh, she kind of got drafted. That's, that's kind of what happens. <laughs> that's when a you're... nice way to put it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way to put it. So um, it started off pretty with pretty simple stuff like, well, you come along and help me carry gear in. <laughs> uh -huh. And then, uh, um, you know, help me. Then I would start teaching you how to set stuff up. And then I would have you start doing interviews. And you things. guys, if you've ever been on set with Mark... He is notorious for, yeah, that's good. Just do it one more time. <laughs> that was perfect. Let's do it one more time. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so you learn a lot because I, you always have to do it one more time. Because you have to do it 10 times. Right? And then I'm happy. But, so we were doing a lot of corporate mm -hmm. work, right? So just the same as, as most, most people, I think, that are in production that will listen to this. Um, that we've, that's what we've done for many, many years. Now, I've also, back in my early 20s, I did have quite a bit of success in actual feature filmmaking. And mm -hmm. we'll talk more about that as we go along um, in later episodes. But so my experience in making actual movies um, it was pretty all-encompassing. So I've done movies before and television commercials and music videos and pretty much everything. Pretty much everything. So, but all, an awful lot of corporate video, which is what led us in a roundabout way to fearless features. It, yeah, sort of. I mean, we were, we just, we just realized, I think the, the clientele that we were attracting mm -hmm. were a lot of faith-based nonprofits mm -hmm. and we could see the response that everybody was getting and, you know, just helping everyone achieve above and beyond their fundraising goals. Mm -hmm. I mean, and watching people come to the Lord and learning about these resources in our community by way of video. I mean, these videos that we've produced, it's it's a really humbling experience and it makes you want to do more. There are so many people who need help. Mm -hmm. So we had a client that we were working with that was a nonprofit and the the videos specifically that we were doing for them were basically like little miniature biographies. So mm -hmm. life stories of people yeah. that had gone through this program and they would put these on broadcast television and then they would use them at their fundraising events twice a year. And what we saw was how effective those were because they were real stories mm -hmm. and they weren't uh, they weren't scripted. They were, we would sit and let these people just, just spill their guts. And then you spend an awful lot of time editing to, to kind of stitch this together, cut out the unimportant stuff and, and but really sum up their life story. I say, while, we, while you say, you know, spill their guts, it's like, you really get to know these people yeah. intimately. I mean, they share the good, bad, ugly, everything. Yeah. And, and so you hear the trauma. Yeah, a lot of painful stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, But so, Jesus is always there. But Jesus was always at the center of it. <laughs> Jesus was always there. Yeah. And we just, I think we both just felt like we wanted to do more with that. We, we, we saw the power in how effective 
those stories were, but we thought, boy, but you know, if you could just go further with that, if more people could hear stories like this. Right. And it wasn't isolated to just one organization right. and it could be available to everyone right. and the impact and power that it could have, especially in today's day and age. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at what we're dealing with right now with the COVID-19 and everybody's quarantined and having to stay at home. Guess where everybody is? They're online. Mm -hmm. I mean, what better medium and way to still preach the gospel than than sharing with the video? I mean, we've we've with our ministry. I'm getting off on a tangent here. With our ministry, we've already been in multiple countries. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's powerful. It's incredible to be able to share the gospel in this way. Yeah, and and so it was. And I don't want to. I don't want to downplay what we were doing for those hmm. particular <laughs> ministries. We were doing what those ministries asked for and what they needed. But what we saw was, you know, if you if you weren't, as I like to say, beholden to a corporate strategy, um, if you could tell these stories and then just unleash them to mm -hmm. to the world and make them all about Christ, they weren't because they're not always if you if you work in corporate. America, especially yeah, there's, corporate an media. there's always an agenda. There's yeah. always, there's always, you know, here's the corporate bullet points. Here's what we're the message that we're trying to get across. And that's fine. That's what you do. But so what we saw in that was, you know, boy, if we could just decouple from that and do some of these on our own, then, you know, we were, we, we said, I bet that these would be really powerful. And so that led us to form our nonprofit, right. Fearless Features. Right. And, and we and we did two, our, our first two. Mm -hmm. And, and I, were amazingly, <laughs> they were six, you know, it's like you, when, when you start a business, any business, and you say, how do I define success? Mm -hmm. And for us, it, it wasn't about the numbers, right. but, but really testing to see how far the reach would go. And the numbers and the shares and the comments, and I mean, Oh my gosh, you guys, incredible. It's just incredible. People coming to know the Lord through personal testimonies. Right. And, so, and so we should explain what the, yeah. what these were. So what yeah, we did was we we started looking for stories, personal stories of how people came to Christ, specifically how they came to Christ. And that was our corporate agenda, if mm -hmm. you will. Is yeah. Let's share Christ. And our, because what's our mission statement? Sharing stories of life, loss, and redemption through Christ. Right. And stories change stories. Mm -hmm. and, and in other words, it's it's people's lives are changed when they can identify with someone and identify with their story. And they may not fully identify with them, but there's, oh, there's a part of the human element that everybody is akin to. And so our first fearless episode was about a woman named Kathy Humbarger who is the executive director of what's now what's now Right to Life of Northeast Indiana yeah. was Allen County Right to Life. And so we heard her story and told her story and it wasn't so much about her pro-life work, it was about how she came to Christ as a young girl and and how that has affected all of her life decisions. And we put that out there and then we worked on another one on a uh professor of Old Testament theology yeah. named Tiberius Ratza. He, he is a professor at Grace Theological Seminary in Warsaw, Indiana. And we knew him because he was our itinerant pastor mm -hmm. at Blackhawk. And so we did his story. And that was an interesting story because he uh, grew up in Romania. Mm -hmm. 
And so we tried to, you know, make it interesting with some reenactments, things like that. And in fact, I remember <laughs> the scenes we were doing, we were trying to do these scenes showing Tiberius's dad as he's talking about his dad escaping from communist Romania. Yep. And you were pregnant, pregnant. with Caitlin. Our th so we have three girls. <clears throat> she was pregnant with our third, I don't know, maybe three, four months along. <laughs> but it, fortunately, it was winter, and we had to shoot this scene. And so we put Amber in one of my coats and kind of padded her and, you know, just kind of needed this kind of shadowy figure to walk you guys, down along the river. If you've and, ever been on, what do we call these, like, gorilla? <laughs> this is gorilla filming. Filmmaking. Oh, my word. It was, it was intense gorilla filmmaking, yeah. And, and I remember... Yeah, take it. And we were down in some kind of shady parts of town because we needed kind of that grunge, really <laughs> grungy look. And so we took my dad along so that we'd at least have a, you know, a third person to, you know, call the police or something. <laughs> Anyways, but we, so then when we released Tiberius's episode and it went, I think Kathy's initially had like, what, 5,000 views yeah. and then Tiberius, it was exploded it was well, like you, over ten thousand, and it was over in europe and yeah I, when you see the growth and know how powerful these are i mean you just it's like wow we can really reach people with the gospel i mm -hmm. mean that's our that's our mission that's what we have a heart to do is to share jesus with people yeah so we really saw the power of the online world and how we could reach people and then that so back to our first uh, story about kathy humbarger um, not long after that, we, we, we both just felt this real burden, I think yeah. from the Lord that we wanted to do more. We, we enjoyed, oh, we just felt it. I mean, we, every morning, you guys, we get up every morning, three thirty, four o'clock and we are reading scripture together. We're praying and I'm not kidding you. It was like the same day we were both, we were sort of like praying. And after we got done praying and, and you know, it's like, we kind of turned to each other and I, and I said, I think we're supposed to do something bigger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I said, it's funny that you should say that. Yeah. <laughs> because many years ago, uh, I had actually had this idea for what is now the film called Inwood Drive. And it was back, it's what, like probably almost 10 years ago. Yeah, because Elizabeth is 10. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So our oldest daughter was was very young and... For some reason, we decided that we wanted to go and see what was what it was like on uh, procedure day mm -hmm. at the abortion clinic and on and, Inwood Drive and on Inwood Drive, and, which is in Fort Wayne, and to talk to the picketers and the sidewalk counselors. We just really had no idea. I had never experienced that. You'd never no. experienced that, mm -mm. and so we just went and we stood with them and we prayed with them, and we just observed, and that was where just that imagery of, um, and when you see the film, uh, which we'll talk about here in a second, but the reason the film was called Inwood Drive is because that's where the abortion clinic was on a street called Inwood Drive. And it was directly across the street from a little Baptist church mm -hmm. called Statewood Baptist Church. And that imagery is what really was so stark to me was one side, you've got the church, the other side, you've got the clinic and right down the middle, the, the, the battle line is Inwood Drive. And um, I remember thinking even at at that time that this is a movie and 
you've got good on one side and evil on the other, and I would call it inward drive. And mm-hmm. then, so you fast forward to, uh, oh my goodness, mid two thousand eighteen. Yes. It was like late spring, early summer, and mm-hmm. we and we started thinking about I, well, this. Well, I remember that there was an article on Life News, and it was in May of 2018. And it was talking about how um, Fort Wayne is the second largest abortion desert, mm. meaning someone can't go and get an abortion within a 100-mile radius of their location. But Fort Wayne, Indiana, being the second largest abortion desert in the United States. And I remember thinking, huh. Now, how was that accomplished? I mean, we live here. <laughs> what What's going on here? What is this? And then in July of 2018, mm-hmm. um, it was middle of July, and we went and sat down with Kathy, Kathy Humbarger and told her, we're going to do, we're going to tell this story. So from May to July, we compiled all of our pre-production, what we thought the film was going to be. <laughs> oh, what we thought it was going to oh, be. Oh, what we thought it was going to be. But boy, did the Lord <laughs> ever have other plans. Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, we went and we sat in Kathy's office and announced our intentions mm-hmm. to tell this story, to do this film uh, that became Inwood Drive. And then, what, two weeks later, two weeks had later a baby. we had Caitlin, <laughs> our third little girl. Right. <laughs> so anytime we want to know how long we've been working on Inwood Drive, we just look at Caitlin, look at Katie. <laughs> and our, our attorney throughout this, he laughed at us, you know, because every time he called us, we had a screaming baby in the house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and his he says, so when are you going to write the book, How to Make a Movie? <laughs> With a newborn. With a newborn. <laughs> and I said, that's an easy one. Chapter one, don't. Chapter two, the end. <laughs> the end. Right. <laughs> right. But so, it, so in case you haven't noticed, we we share an office. Oh yeah, we've shared an office since we've been over married, a decade. <laughs> over a decade, and uh, we work from home. And having a screaming baby at home with us in the office is really nothing new. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we press on. We press on. So so anyway, where do we leave off? So um, we were talking about um, getting in would drive going. Oh yes. So then, what led us to? Sitting in the abortion oh, oh, clinic yes, with George, George Klopfer. That's right. uh-huh. So if you don't know, I think most people know, but who George Klopfer was, George Klopfer was uh, one of the most prolific abortionists in history, I think. I, it, it's hard to tell because they're all shady. But uh, he was the one who, shortly after his death, uh, last fall, fall of 2019, it was discovered that he had over 2,000 dead babies, mm-hmm. medically preserved, hidden in his garage at his house in Crete, Illinois. And a few days after that, they found even more mm-hmm. that were discarded in the trunk of one of his old dilapidated Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And that's the man. And we um, had already been working on this film for over a year. Over a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he died. Died, yeah. And what we found was the day that it was discovered, when he died, and then it was discovered that all of these, that he had been hoarding all of these uh, aborted babies, uh, that we were the only ones that had ever interviewed him. Yeah, we, oh my gosh, you guys, we were getting phone calls from all over the country and, nice. and all over the world. I mean, the, yeah. the place in Germany, and we're going, um. <laughs> yeah, so George was from Germany. Mm hmm. And, uh, yeah, so we had interest from a television network in Germany and uh, people like Glenn Beck and mm-hmm. 
um, it was it was pretty nuts. It was it was crazy for a few weeks. Yeah, but let's go back to oh, yes. sitting down in the. Oh my god! So goodness. let me set up how we got yes. this interview because people are always curious. So, the you know the when you start it when, as an investigative filmmaker, right? I mean, you just have to be objective and be open to anything. And so when we started on it, and and. I remember Kathy asking, well, are you going to try and talk to Klopfer? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, if he'll talk to me. But he was very elusive. Um, and then I was doing a pre-interview with somebody else, a guy named Dr. Jeff Cly, who we'll talk about and talk to in coming episodes. Um, and he asked me the same thing. Are you going to talk to Klopfer? And I, <laughs> yeah. and I, I kind of settled on this excuse of, well, I don't have his phone number. Right. And so I, I don't, I guess I can't. And because I didn't, really didn't want to talk to him. And <laughs> Jeff goes, Oh, I got his number right here. And he whips out his, his iPhone and, you know, beams it over to me. Next thing I know, <laughs> I've got the abortion doctor's phone name and phone number, his personal cell phone in my address book. So I called him um, and I just told him who we were and what we were doing. And I said, uh, well, we, th well, there's a whole ebook about the phone oh, call. Yes, there is. There is. It's <laughs> called Interview with the Abortionist. So if you're interested in reading it, it's really good. And I, I mean, uh, I don't mean to say sound really good. I mean, I love <laughs> you, dear. But if you go on to um, InwoodDriveMovie.com, you can mm -hmm. find Interview with the Abortionist and read that there. So anyway. Yeah. Um, so it, I asked him if we could come and talk to him. And he said, sure. And so... We went then the next week. Yeah, it was the next week. Mm -hmm. And sat down with him in his Inwood Drive clinic, which had been closed, by the way, for five years, which is a really creepy aspect of the story. Yeah. I'm not going to give too much of it away, but George was still going to all of his clinics, even though he'd been shut down for with five years. Regularity. With regularity. Yeah, every week. he would, And he would actually sleep in his clinics. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when we went... Uh, to meet him at nine o'clock that morning, and we had to knock on the door several times, and mm -hmm. and you could tell he had been sleeping. Yeah. So. So anyway. So describe. So we you, we were three months postpartum. Yeah. With little Katie. Mm -hmm. What was it like? Uh, describe your your feelings in dealing sitting down with George. You know, I didn't really, I didn't really have any. Any intent, my, my whole intention of going in and talking to George was just to share the gospel with him. And I think I went in to listen and that was, that was my main objective. So I just listened and waited for the opportunity and boy, when it came, mm -hmm. it was, it, it was, you could just feel, we had, we had people praying for us yeah, we had and I could, I could, I could just feel the spirit moving. I mean, it's a really weird thing because when you're sitting in that clinic, it's very cold. It's very dark. It's, it's everything you would think darkness is mm -hmm. um and it was interesting because my my intentions going in i i really wanted to get him on camera and so yes. i was i i was viewing our initial conversation as basically a pre-interview slash research and i wasn't sure if if we would ever get to talk to him oh again. oh not me i i instantly got out my phone and i think that was the thing you know we just kind of Mark and I always just kind of do our own thing to get the jobs done. And I instantly pulled out my phone because in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm ever going to get a chance to talk to this man again. Mm -hmm. And I really, just for documenting purposes, wanted to be able to play back anything 
that he said. Yeah. And so I just got out my phone and I said, you don't mind if I record this, do you? And he said, oh, no. So I just laid it on the table. Yeah. And fortunately, I had all of my contracts with me and yeah. got him to to sign off on letting us use the recording in the film. And I think it's interesting because when I think back of the 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 fire hydrant of learning, if you will, that you get when you're doing a project like this. Mm-hmm. And I was still, because it had been so long since I'd done anything on that scale and that intensity, mm-hmm. I think I, if, if I was doing it now, of course, I would go in like you did and say, this is the only time we're going to talk to him. I want this, I want this, I want this, and I'm not going to take no for an answer. Right. <laughs> I was, I was still trying to be kind of respectful with him. And so, um, well, we were respectful for, throughout the we, whole process. We, we were respectful, but I, I wasn't thinking aggressively enough, I think, of <laughs> we need to get this now because this is going to be the only time. And I'm so glad that that you pulled out your phone and started recording. Yeah. Because that was the only time because he, he was not interested in being on camera. No. I mean, because I I just flat out asked him yeah. if, if, you know, you guys heard the opening sequence, if he had asked for forgiveness for killing children. And I mean, and it's so it's it's. It's so sad that you can use the word fetus, and if you use the word fetus, it's it's basically an unwanted baby. But he, throughout the whole entire conversation, would call call it a baby, and we even mm-hmm. called him out throughout it. And well, it was it's just a a word game with him. It mm-hmm. was a non semantics. Yeah, semantics. That's the word I was looking for. He would he would constantly shift his his definitions of things. <sighs> and as we as we continued on in the production of the film, we found over and over that that's how the pro death crowd, the pro abortion crowd, justifies everything. Mm-hmm. They just redefine things yeah. so that it doesn't sound as bad. But anyway, so so many more stories that we have to tell you about. Inwood Drive, but also about things that we've learned through our ministry. And we're excited to let you know also that Inwood Drive is available. available. It is available and you can you can watch it today. Go to InwoodDriveMovie.com and you can see um, how you can watch it. But that's, you guys, that's all the time we have for this premiere episode of Fearless. We thank you for joining us. And we look forward to sharing more with you next time about our ministry and what it's been like spending two years of our lives documenting the demise of a man like George Klopfer. So you can reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. We're on the web at fearlessfeatures.org and on Facebook at Fearless Features. You can also read more about Inwood Drive and where you can stream it, again, at the website, inwooddrivemovie.com. And on the website, you can download the, the free ebook. Oh, that's right. Interview mm-hmm. with the abortionist. That's right. If you want to hear more about this story and this interview with the infamous George Klopfer. Yep, that's right. Until then, I'm Amber signing off. And I'm Mark. <laughs> we'll talk to you again soon. God bless you guys. Take care. <laughs>